Hey there, Ralph Garman here. Thanks so much for checking out this free Monday edition of The Ralph Report. If you like what you hear, do me a favor. Subscribe to The Ralph Report so we can put some fun in your ears five days a week. And we're not just here on Mondays. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday as well. And you can listen for as little as $3 a month. So subscribe today so you don't miss out on any of the fun. Go to patreon.com slash The Ralph Report and sign up. Welcome to The Ralph Report with Ralph Garman. Well, hello there, boys and girls. Welcome to The Ralph Report for a brand new week. It is a Monday. It is February the 4th. So happy to have you with us again today. I am your old podcast pal, Ralph Garman, and sitting across from me in his brand new chair <laughs> is the vice host, Mr. Eddie Pence. I got armrests. Yeah, how about It's that? a whole new world. Uh, for those of you four-star generals, if you saw the little bonus video I send you guys every week, you saw the uh, final update to the Ralph Report Studios, which includes, because everybody was bitching and moaning that Eddie didn't have a nice chair, I went out and got him a brand new office chair to sit in it with armrests and everything. Swivels, you can relax back if you want. Or at eye level. Yes, I know, so... All right, everybody. It's not like I'm at Mr. Potter's desk anymore. Oh, boy. Let it go, everyone. He's fine. <laughs> Cherry sits in for an hour a day. He can handle it. He's a big boy. <laughs> Thanks for joining us today. Want to get some business out of the way first before we go any further. As I mentioned, if you are a four-star general, uh, make sure you take a look in your inbox for that video I sent over the weekend. And speaking of videos, you two, three, and four-star generals got a little bonus video content this weekend, courtesy of Mr. Steve Ashton, he put together that very funny Bridget from Long Island clip uh, matched to hey, Joe Pesci from Goodfellas. What do you think he put a whole five, ten minutes into that? Hey, it was funny. I don't care how long it took him. Uh. So, uh, yeah, if you're a two, three, or four-star general, make sure you check that out as so well. Funny. While we're talking about checking things out, Eddie Pence, TV yeah. star, you want to talk about I got the a episode new episode? Five of Drive is uh, dropping today. I don't know what t- I think it might already be up. It may already be up. But I got a guy who left a voicemail message. We're not going to play it here, but uh, he said, I think he was drunk. And he said, <laughs> I can't find an Eddie Pence movie TV show with Drive. I think he would drive in and I see a movie with Giant Grossling. And I was like, uh. so for people who are searching for it, it's on YouTube. It's on YouTube. And it's D R I V. Yeah. No E at the end. Yeah. If you just went D-R-I-V, Eddie Pence, I'm sure it would pop up on YouTube. So there you go. Or that's, just follow me on Twitter and I post it on there too. So. That's how you find it. Okay, everybody. <laughs> uh, one more bit of business before we move on this Friday night, the late show at the Improv in Oxnard, California. If you're out there in Oxnard, come on out and see me and my other podcast friend, Mr. Kevin Smith. We're doing Hollywood Babylon at the late show Friday night at the Oxnard Improv Love to see you guys come out and join us there. It's going to be a fun show. Haven't done one in a while, and we probably won't do one for a while because after this, uh, Mr. Smith goes off to Louisiana to shoot shoot. Jay and Silent Bob reboot. So uh, if you want to know all the pre-production secrets gossip about that movie, all the gossip, this would be a good show to come to on Friday night in Oxnard, California. You can go to improv.com and then click on the Oxnard location and get your tickets that way. All right. There we go. It's a truckload of information. We have a good show for you today. We're going to take a listen to some of your voicemails you left over the weekend. Boy, did that box fill up over the weekend. 
Uh, also, of course, the entertainment news. Eddie and I will be revealing our guilty pleasure movies. Can you imagine what Eddie Pence watches that he considers a guilty pleasure if he <laughs> offers freely the name of movies that are horrible as regular films that he watches? We'll get to those later in the show. But we would be remiss if we didn't talk about the debacle of football that was yesterday's oh. Super Bowl. Wow. I can't remember a more boring Super Bowl so dull. And not in even recent like history. A great defensive game. It was just a boring game. Yes. Even the defense was sort of, I mean, obviously it was effective. It was the lowest scoring Super Bowl in history, I believe. It was 3-3 going in the fourth quarter. The final score was 13-3. I believe it's the lowest score for any Super Bowl ever. Uh, So obviously the defenses were doing their job. But even the action on defense, it was all so sluggish and lackluster. Yeah, it was just, it was was kind of sloppy and it just, I don't know. Felt like a preseason game. It really did. It really did. And for uh, as much scoring that happened during the regular season and the exciting offensive football to get none of that in the Super Bowl is crazy. And then, of course, the outcome, the uh, dreaded evil empire of professional football once again won another championship. So congratulations, I guess guess. they don't need it. (laughs) They don't need the congratulations from us. But I do think you are seeing something that's pretty special. It is a dynasty or... unlike any before it, and I doubt we'll see another one after. Not, not someone playing in nine Super Bowls? That's crazy. The question is, how many more do they have in them? Yeah. It doesn't look like they're slowing down at no, all. They seem more angry about playing now than they ever have. Yeah. So that was yesterday's game. Uh, at least the halftime show was just as awful <laughs> as the game was, if not more so. <laughs> Adam Levine and Maroon 5. Oh. Man. Why was he stripping? I did not need to see his nipples, what? that's for sure, or any of his body tats. <laughs> it, it was He's not a good live performer, first of all. No. The music sounded bad. It was low energy. I think he was taking his clothes off just to try to make the thing interesting. <laughs> uh, big boys rapping. I mean, it all seemed disjointed, like nothing flowed into it's the just, other segments. It's just boring. It's just boring and dull, and it's just it always is this big plump right in the middle of a Super Bowl. To me, well, I think, well, it depends. I mean, obviously, you don't care for the no, musical interlude in the middle. I am solely uh, excited or not based on the artist and who's there. And sometimes it's an artist that I don't even particularly care for, but puts on an amazing show. Yeah. Katy Perry, for example, I thought put on an amazing halftime show. Prince, of course, is legendary. Prince is the one that I, last one I remember going, okay, that was a great halftime show. I mean, there are moments throughout the history of the Super Bowl where there have been some brilliant halftime shows that are really entertaining. But I thought this one was dull, low energy. And they're just so overproduced. Yeah. It just seems so overproduced that it takes away from, even if it was a great artist you're watching, it would take away from that to me. But. And even the commercials. We'll talk about the, uh, the showbiz commercials later on in the entertainment news. But usually there's one or two standout, like, blow your socks off commercials that really give you... The one I liked was the one where it was all the old players at the wedding reception. The 100th anniversary. That one. Yes. That, that was, was fun. That was the highlight. you got to see all the players from years gone by. That was the highlight for me for Super Bowls. I agree. But overall, just, uh, man, what a bust. Yeah. It's so much buildup now. It can never live up to the hype of what a Super Bowl is supposed to be, ever. 
Well, look, I got to say, obviously, I'm biased because of the outcome of last well, year's yeah. Super Bowl, but that was a pretty good game. The game. We've had about four really good Super Bowls in a row. And that's all I really ask. I mean, yeah. I like to see the score go back and forth. I like to see leads change. I like it to see it to come down to the end, which it pretty much did yeah. on this one as well. But, man, I was just, I found myself losing interest, and I'm a yeah. hardcore football fan. I know yeah. you are as well. So really disappointing. Yeah, the last really bad one we had was at Seattle Broncos about five years ago. That was the worst. And then this one was probably not as score wise, not the same, but just as boring by the I don't know. So I don't know how you guys felt about it, but that's our take on the big game. And now we go through the dark, dark days where there's no football. For, no, we got hockey. Know. Yeah, we got hockey. <laughs> Although, caps. And the Flyers are the hottest team in, in hockey right now. They've won like seven yeah, games know, in a row. I know. They still have no chance of making the playoffs, <laughs> but they came on a little bit too little, a little bit too late. But that's been sort of fun. Uh, but then there's baseball. I, I don't know. You're sort of a baseball guy. I'm a baseball observer. I'm not a diehard baseball fan. I can. I don't take. I don't love it the way I love football or hockey. Yeah, I'll just. I'll just be watching hockey from now on. <laughs> All right, let's get the show kicked off the way we do most days. That's when I listen to your voicemails that you leave at the Ralph Report hotline. The phone number, as you should know by now, is one eight three three. Hi, Ralph. <laughs> You can call me at that phone number and leave a message 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I love to hear from you, and I pick the best and put them on the uh, top of the show here in a segment we call Garmy on the Line. The telephone is ringing. The Garmy's on the line. Ross going to play your calls now and see what's on your All right, this first phone call is football-related. I imagine there are a lot of people in this gentleman's shoes, especially this season. He's a Rams fan. Oh. Hey, Ralph, it's Rob from Orange. Um, so I've been a diehard Rams fan since about, oh, early 2018. So I want to know where the term bandwagon came from. Yes. Thanks. Love you. Mean it. Bye. Love the honesty. A lot of bandwagon fans <laughs> for the L.A. Rams this year. And that's an interesting question. Where does that phrase come from to be a bandwagon fan? Well, luckily for you, sir, we have a segment that addresses just such a thing. It's called, Where Did That Come From? Where did it come from? Where did it go? Where did it come from? We want to know. Where did it come from? Say it ain't so. Where did it come from? I'll fucking build up. All right. For those who are not familiar with the phrase, when you jump on a bandwagon, it means you're supporting a hobby or an idea or a person or a team in the case of the L.A. Rams after it has become popular or successful. Where does that phrase come from? Well, the word bandwagon is the rather unimaginative name for a wagon that carried a circus band (laughs) back in the days of P.T. Barnum and the greatest show on earth. He would try to drum up attention and uh, business for his circus by driving through town when the circus arrived with a bandwagon with a band on the back of a big wagon that was usually pulled by horses and they would play music and it would excite the town and generate a lot of publicity for his circus so that was the bandwagon and what he decided to do was to get the locals excited about the circus is he would allow for seating on the wagon with the band oh. so citizens could climb up and be part of the parade in essence, the bandwagon by being on the bandwagon. Ah. And so it generated a lot of attention for the circus. And it wasn't too long, well, of course, until politicians started to notice this 
And they said, hey, we can do that too. And so they started to get their own bandwagons where they would put a brass band on a wagon and they would give stump speeches throughout whatever town they were uh, right. you know, campaigning uh. in. And people were allowed to come up and if they liked the candidate, they could sit on the bandwagon with him while he went through town giving these speeches. So it became known as if you were backing a particular person, you would be on the bandwagon with that person. So people started to say, uh, you know, if you were, even if in the days where the bandwagon went away, if you were backing a certain politician or a certain cause, they would say you were on the bandwagon. I wonder if that's where the look came. We know now when they give politicians good speeches and they put all those people behind them. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously you want the image or the illusion that you have a large group of people supporting your cause or your movement or your candidacy. And so now whenever someone jumps up into fandom for anything that already has an existing fan base, it's known as jumping on the bandwagon. Gotcha. So there you go. That's where that came from. Where did it come from? Where did it go? Where did it come from? We want to know. Where did it come from? Say it ain't so. Where did it come from? I'll fucking know. Our fan base is so smart and so educated. I love how they share their information with us. Remember last week we were talking about the caduceus? Yes. Caduceus is the symbol for medicine, which is a staff that was was carried allegedly by the god Hermes, the Greek god, with two snakes wrapped around it. Mm -hmm. And that has been the symbol for medicine for some time now. Well, Jen called in to set us straight. Not us per se, because it is the symbol of medicine, but medicine adopted a bad symbol, it turns out. Oh. Well, I'll let Jen tell you. Hey, Ralph. It is Jen from Tucson, Arizona again. Um, I just listened to your uh, Friday cast, and you mentioned the uh, Caduceus rod. I was a classics major, so I can tell you that Hermes carried two staves. One of them was the Caduceus with two sta- with two snakes, and that is actually the rod he did to usher people to the underworld. It is a death rod. It's a death um, rod. <laughs> people always confuse it with his other staff, the rod of Asclepius, and that's the one for healing and medicine. So whenever you see the two serpents, it's actually death. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the medical field got that wrong. Um <laughs> I love you. I mean it. Bye. Nice call, medicine. Wow. Idiots. What's on the other staff? Who know the doctors were so stupid? The other staff is a similar staff, but it has one serpent wrapped around so it. So not the two serpents. Right. So the one with the one serpent is actually the one that symbolizes in ancient Greek mythology healing, healing. and medicine. The other, the other two is, is the pathway to death. <laughs> well, So we've been going to doctors who are believing in a symbol that, that represents the pathway to death. We're all dying. Well, that's true, but I don't want to be reminded when I go to the doctor's office. Oh, man. I don't need that little pin on his uh, white it's, lab coat you know, with it's the death symbol It's on more it. aesthetically pleasing because it's, sim- it's symmetrical. I guess so, but that's probably a hell of a reason to support the death staff. <laughs> Can't they figure shit out before they start oh, wearing it? man. Uh, I thought this was interesting. Remember our pal Vic, who we played uh, You'll Be In My Heart by Phil Collins? Oh, yeah. And uh, it turns out the story behind that for him was he danced with his mother to that song at his wedding. It was one reason he gets so emotional about it. Here's an interesting question to follow up with. Hey, Ralph. Hey, Eddie. Uh, the uh, Phil Collins, uh, You'll Be In My Heart, definitely cry, uh, tears me up a lot. Um, what does uh, come to mind when I hear that song now was at my wedding, that was the song I choose for the mother-son dance at my wedding. Uh, I'm just curious, do you guys uh, have uh, a song that uh, you 
uh, reminds you of your mother, or do you? What song did you choose to dance with your mom if you did at your own wedding? LMB five. Now we're both married men. Did you have a special dance with your mom at I your did, wedding? I had a special dance with my mom. We didn't pick out a song. We basically Tracy and her dad danced to a song, and then we all sort of joined it. Like then I came out and joined it with my mom. And oh, you didn't get a solo. We dance? didn't do a certain song. We didn't have a song. Wow. But, I, but even if you don't, there's usually a moment where. The daughter and dad get their moment yeah. on the spotlight, and well, then they, they have and a then, separate dance for son and and mom. And then we came up. Well, no, well, then you we just kind of coattailed on yeah. Tracy's dance. <laughs> That's how we did it. I, I, it was I such don't a, want to say who wears the pants in your family, but I get the sense you got you got cheated out of a moment. I might have gotten cheated out of a moment, possibly. I do have a song with my mom, but it's 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 well, it would have been nice if you could have danced. Well, to her. it's the Bare Necessities from Jungle Book, so I don't know if that would have been appropriate. That would have been awesome. Are you kidding me? <laughs> so you guys both could have stra- scratched your back on the uh, on the on the <laughs> but, palm tree. But that's the song I have with my mom because when I was a kid, we'd play that record and we would dance around the living room. Oh, that song, that's sweet. So. Uh, my <laughs> mom and I danced to uh, "Sweet Caroline" by Neil Diamond oh. because my mother's name was Caroline. Oh, that's nice. So that was always her song. And yes, uh, you know, my mom's been gone six years now, and when I hear that song, I, similarly affected by that. I would imagine. But it was great. We had a moment. We were out on the dance floor, just she and I, and we were dancing to it, and everyone sort of surrounded the dance floor, and they were doing out the bop, 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 part, and everybody had a great time. That's a highlight. highlight. Creates so much energy when people, when it's just in a room full of people, it's such a great song. So uh, her name being Caroline, that had been her song for many, many years, and that certainly was a a memorable moment for me and my mom at our wedding. Uh, A lot of people are upset with all the crying songs, all the songs that make people cry. Not everyone is on board. God damn it, Ralph. I did not need to be crying in my car on my way to work three days in a row now. First you play the Fievel song, which has got me going since I was a kid, so I'm crying that day. Right. Then yesterday you play that Tarzan song, which meant literally nothing to me, but now I have kids, so I'm crying yesterday. Right. Then today you play Cats in the Cradle, which made my dad cry when I was a kid because his dad did that to him, so he was never going to do that to us. And he didn't, by the way. Awesome, Dad. Good. So then I'm crying again. Three days in a row? Seriously. <laughs> God damn it, Ralph. Love you. Mean it, bye. Well, I apologize, but I'm not done yet. No, I'll go for the four, Pete. Hey, Ralph. John from Placentia here. I was just listening to uh, Thursday's Ralph report, and he had someone who mentioned that the song from Tarzan makes him get all weepy and well that doesn't really do it for me one song came to mind that does uh the song the living years by mike and the mechanics mm. always gets me especially as a dad um and even when i was younger thinking about my own father anyway uh just wanted to bring that up love you mean it bye the living years for those who don't know is a song by mike and the mechanics mike rutherford of genesis had a, a solo side project and they had a hit with that song and it's basically his relationship with his father and we passed away, and him regretting all the things he never said to his dad while they were living. Oh, Heartbreaking man. song. It's brutal. It'll make you cry. Well, don't take my word for it. <laughs> I wasn't there that morning When my father passed away I didn't get to tell him All the things I had to say I just wish I could have told him in the 
right. So that song is one giant guilt trip. Everyone is now wiping tears <laughs> oh out of their God. eyes. Oh, that lady's gonna hate oh, me. Oh yeah, you're gonna get another call from her. Smoke that. Yeah, smoke that. <laughs> uh, another oh, ongoing, recurring moment on this show that people are reacting to in a big way is when we take our own Eddie Pence uh, <laughs> and we slow down what he has to say to make him sound like a drunken fool. Now, it's doubly funny because Eddie doesn't drink, has never been a drinker, and has never been in this condition in real life, but we get to sort of replicate what that would be like by slowing down his moments of magic when he's talking about something passionately. Which makes me not ever want to be this way. <laughs> We've got a suggestion here for another Eddie's Drunk Thoughts. Hey, Ralph, this is uh, Darren from Houston, Texas. We need a drunk Eddie with the... Apocalypse thing from uh, what was that Wednesday? The way he went on, I, that hearing him talk about that drunk would be the funniest thing. I mean, that, I mean that's basically a drunk conversation. That's that's what people talk about when they're drunk. That needs to be played. It needs to be played. It needs to be played. <laughs> well, then you can't not play it. Drunk Eddie's thoughts may be the hit. The, the the smash hit off the album for us this year. So much so that people are sending in now jingles, theme songs for oh, the segment. Man, I don't know if this is the, the keeper or not, or if it's the winner, but it's got to be right up there. This is from, I want to get this right to make sure we thank him for what he did. Hold on a second, I got it written down here. It's from uh, Simon Prentice in the UK. He is a TV video editor over in Birmingham in the UK, and he heard that segment, had a little time on his hands at work, and crafted this gem. It's pretty spectacular. Here is his submission for Drunk Eddie's Thoughts. I can't see that close-up. something a foot from your face. It's gross. Eddie's Drunk Thoughts. I'm fine. Yeah, my teeth are working. So, at the suggestion of our caller, this is Eddie talking passionately about how he'd, how would he react in a post-apocalyptic world. When everything goes south, when, when all of the, the social structures we lean on have collapsed, and we're just left to our own devices, how would Eddie respond? Well, here's Eddie talking about it drunk. He's talking about something apocalyptic. We're talking Mad He's Max type stuff. He's talking about just everybody hold on for a couple of weeks and we'll get the infrastructure back up right, and We're talking about again. Mad Max. Yeah. World we're talking shifted some forever. sort of global shifting event where right. everything is off the rails and nothing is operating. Money is probably worthless. No more telecommunications is going on. We're all at the, the uh, we're just okay. all reverting back to our right. basic animal forms. Well, I'm instantly killing myself. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to live in that world. There's no point in living Where's in that world. Where's your sense of survival? I don't have one. I don't want to hunt for food. Yeah. I don't want to I don't want to have to defend so, my family with weapons. So you're one less guy we have to worry Exa about. I'm out immediately. Wow. That morning I'm finding a bridge and jumping. <laughs> there you go. Oh man. Oh my god. 
drunk Eddie's thoughts. Uh, why do I sound drunker than you do? We're both slowed down. I don't know. <laughs> I can't figure that either because I sound like I've been drinking, but I sound like the guy who's uh, had every other shot yeah. with you, and you're ju- you've I just sound been pounding obliterated. all night. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. It's pretty magical. <laughs> oh, thanks for that suggestion. Oh. You can call me anytime. You know the number. Call me around. It's the number. Good stuff. <laughs> it's time for us to take a look at the big calendar that hangs here on the Bat Cave wall. We take a look at what holidays are associated with this day, February 4th. There's a bunch of them, although not all of them are legit. Some are bullshit. We'll decide which is which during holiday or holiday. Holiday or holiday, please tell me what we celebrate, Ralph Garman. Yes, today is Football Hangover Day, National Football Hangover Day. Every year since 1967, football fans across the country have participated in the most watched football event in America. And then the next day... It is estimated nearly 14 million people call into work sick the day after the big game. After seeing what I saw yesterday, I could imagine that. Now, I think it'll be less than usual this year because I can't imagine partying too hard to that game. I I know. Usually when the excitement's ratcheted up, that's when you're pounding beers and you're high-fiving with your friends and you're screaming and yelling. I didn't do any of that yesterday, and I'm a pretty involved football fan. Last year, did you get pretty tanked? Mm, There could have been a few cocktails (laughs) hoisted last year. In fact, I bought the DVD of the Super Bowl. And now you just drink. Last year? No, I I should. Because there are large chunks of the game that are a little bit fuzzy for me. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I remember the big plays, but there are big chunks of the game that aren't too clear <laughs> in my memory. I was Bowl. pretty lit up by the tender, <laughs> so I had to watch a repeat of it to go, oh, that's pretty cool. That's kind of fun that that happened. <laughs> so uh, I don't know if people are going to call in sick today or not, but here's my – I feel this way about drinking in general. If you can't hold your mud, if you can't put a load on and then pull your shit together and get to work the next day, then maybe you shouldn't be drinking. Yeah. So I don't believe in calling in for hangovers. I just don't. So I'm going to say nay, nay on that nay. one. Yeah. It's also Sweater Day, they say. National Sweater Day. Sweater Day. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> the Sweater Day. I'm not a sweater person. Well, we live in Southern California. Yeah, there's no need. But even if you're in a place where it's cold, it's cold, you put on a sweater. I don't, I don't understand the day for it. Why are we celebrating no, a either. day where you put on your sweater? I could see a Christmas sweater day, but that's near Christmas because well, it's an ugly thing. It's a specific thing and kind does of sweater. It. This is just sweater day. Sweater in general. Just no. put on a sweater, and now we got to <laughs> celebrate a day for it? <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Especially when it's World Cancer Day. Oh, yeah. Today is World Cancer Day. I can't think of anyone that hasn't been touched by cancer in some way, either directly or indirectly. And World Cancer Day hopes to honor those who are fighting the disease and who have lost their lives to this dreadful disease. It's a day specifically to raise awareness and money for the patients who are fighting cancer and for their care and for things that they need. So, All, all other days should bow out. Yeah, really. If really February should. 4th becomes World Cancer Day, you pick another goddamn for day. For sweater day. You yeah, do February yeah. 5th. If you're sweater, sweater day, day, you can go fuck right <laughs> off because it's cancer day, dumbasses. 
this day was founded at the World Summit Against Cancer for the New Millennium in Paris, and this day was formally organized. And so they want everyone to uh, think about maybe throwing a couple bucks at your local cancer organization or some group that does good things for cancer patients. It's a good cause. To that we say, absolutely. It's also Thank a Mail Carrier Day. That's a tough business, the mail carriers it is. have. It is. I saw because it's been raining so much here in LA. Yeah. I saw my mail guy three days ago and he looked miserable. Well, think about the people who do it around the rest of the country oh, I know. where there's always weather. There's that FedEx guy that froze to death. I know. During it's the polar vortex. Tragic. It's crazy. Uh, brutal. It's a, that's not an easy uh, job. Neither rain nor snow nor death of night can keep us from our appointed duty said the Pony Express riders. You know, they were the ones who came up with that slogan. And oh, the did. American mailman has adopted that. And ever since then, they've been delivering our mail. And too bad they made that awful Kevin Costner postman. <laughs> That's right. Could have been better if it wasn't for that. <laughs> so absolutely, we say, cheer on your local mail carrier. Say hi to them. Give them a cup of coffee or a cookie or Just something. Just be friendly to them. Be friendly. That's a tough job. It is. And it's also National Hemp Day. Hemp Day. Let's hear it for hemp. Hemp, yes. Here's the thing about hemp. First of all, let's give it a ding because it's a good uh, product and it's a good holiday and we should raise awareness for hemp because it got fucked over on this war against drugs kind of thing where everyone started associating with marijuana. So all the positive uses for hemp, which go beyond getting you high. No, so many uses for it. Uh, I mean, for example, and it's been used in America for generations, hundreds of years before people started to panic and outlawed because they thought people would smoke yeah. it. But it was used to make paper and clothing and to, right now, scientists are saying we could use it for uh, building materials and biofuels. There's yeah. so many useful purposes that come out of the hemp plant. But because it was classified as a drug akin with like heroin for many yeah, years, exactly. you couldn't grow it, you couldn't study it, you couldn't produce it, you couldn't sell it. So it's been it's been in a holding pattern for all these years. Deal. And uh, Daniel Bryan, the WWE champion, uh, <laughs> made a hemp WWE title belt. Oh, did he? Made out of wood and stones and hemp. That's hilarious. <laughs> anyway, they are uh, they're lowering, obviously, its standing as a drug. Uh, there's more legality Good. going on in the country. And so now the Industrial Hemp Pilot Program has allowed several states to grow, cultivate, and process hemp for agricultural purposes. So many uses for it. And it's it's you know it it has a low carbon footprint. Yeah, it can replace a lot of plastics and things that are poisoning the atmosphere. So Wait, instead of knocking down all these trees, you can use hemp. It's natural paper and do it. It's National Homemade Soup Day. You know all these cold weather holidays are a little lost on us here in the Southern yeah. California. But I gotta admit, homemade soup is the best soup, right? It's a good soup. You're probably not a soup guy. I'm. Guessing. I like certain soup. I like a chicken. I got like chicken soup. All right, chicken noodle soup. You know, the science has proven that chicken soup actually does help your body fight off infection. Really? Yeah. You know, everybody thought that was a wise yeah, tale for so many years. Your mom if you have a cold you. or the flu, drink chicken soup, but it actually does help. That's insane. So, happy uh, soup day, yeah, everybody. I'm going to follow that. Yeah. And lastly, you know, I save uh, most of the food-related holidays for the end because it's always fun to <laughs> wager whether Eddie Pence will eat something or not. Today's food-related holiday, this is going to be very exciting, it is National Stuffed Mushroom Day. Stuffed mushrooms, a big mushroom cap that you hollow out and then you put good stuff in there. Usually it's uh, rice, some sort of meat, some cheese. Then it gets melted when you put the mushroom caps in the oven and you uh, heat them up. It becomes a delicious little handheld hors d'oeuvre that you can snack on. All the goodness of a fresh mushroom plus... <laughs> 
I'm describing it, people. I think I you're wish, overselling it. A I wish bit. you could be here like... to see the face on the vice host. Me just talking about it. I haven't even gotten to the question yet. If you're a betting man, if you're wagering on this one, may I suggest? I don't. I'm still going to pull the handle of the slot machine. Uh, maybe lean to no on this one. <laughs> Let's pull the handle on the patented Eddie Pence jackpot slot machine to see whether or not he will eat stuffed mushrooms. We pull the handle. Mushroom, mushroom. Oh, onion. It's no a, jackpot. A, no, I don't eat mushroom. It's a fungus. I don't eat fungus. We've been through this with blue cheese. I don't eat mold and I don't eat fungus. I just, it's. Are it's, you going to start breaking all foods down to fungus. like their classifications? It's a fungus. There's a lot of reasons not to eat a lot of foods yeah, because but that's they, a are, fungus. they come from weird sources. It's mold and fungus. It's gross. It's stuff that grows because someone didn't clean something up. And then it grows in its place. Right? That's what a fungus... It's like... Oh, no. Ew. <laughs> Have you even tried like a really good mushroom? Ever you had like sauteed mushrooms on your oh, steak no. or anything like that? No. <laughs> you They're look- all like... It's like... Ugh, no. I, mm. What's wrong with mushrooms? I don't like mushrooms. Oh, I hate Lord. mushrooms. All right. So, no stuffed oh. mushrooms for Eddie. You're missing out, Eddie. Oh, I'm, have my mushroom. <laughs> As always. You can have my mushroom Eddie's cap. defense is always, there's more for me. There's more for you. And I'll take it. That's today's holiday or holiday. All right, let's take a look at all the entertainment news on this Monday with a segment I call the Showbiz Beat. On Mondays, we like to take a look at the top 10 movies at the box office so we can see what folks were going to see in theaters over the weekend. Glass, number one again. Still? Now, as we talked about at the end of last week, this weekend is traditionally a low money-making weekend for movies because a lot of people, especially on Sundays, aren't going to the theaters. So it was number one, but it was number one with just $9.5 million, which is not a lot for a number one. No. Uh, Number two was The Upside. People still laughing at Brian Cranston in a wheelchair. What could be funnier than that? $8.8 million made at number two. Miss Bala. This was the movie we talked about last week, the uh, remake oh, of the, Mex- Bullet, yeah. the Mexican film. That looked cool. That preview looked Bullet. good. It, uh, they were expecting a pretty good weekend. It was a stiff. $6.7 million oh, made at number three, so it's a bit of a bomb. Miss, Miss Bullet was a bomb. Miss, Miss they bomb. called her Miss Bomb. <laughs> Aquaman was fourth with $4.7 million this weekend. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse made $4.4 million. That was good enough to make it number five. At number six was Green Book. Then at number seven, The Kid Who Would Be King. A Dog's Way Home came in at number eight. Escape Room was number nine. And then at number ten, a documentary called They Shall Not Grow Old. Are you familiar with this? No. Peter Jackson... The genius behind the Lord Hobbit of the Rings, and Lord of the Rings yeah. and that stuff. He has uh, found archival footage of World War One. I. I have seen And that. also yes. audio of actual survivors of World War One. And he colorized it, passed. right? And he took the modern technology, not only colorized it, but digitally enhanced it and made it look like a big budget Hollywood movie. I did see a preview for that. Yeah. And they say it is a fascinating document about a in terms of film a little covered war world war one yeah. there's a lot of footage of world war yeah. two not that much from world war one but he went uh, and took it all and spruced it up and now people are saying it's a fascinating documentary uh, I, I might check that out so that's in limited release but it did well enough this weekend to come in at number 10 with 2.4 million dollars all right let's talk a little bit about the commercials at the super bowl because 
That is big time show business. A lot of the networks and the studios were using that platform to launch uh, TV ads and movie ads. CBS certainly was doing their part to sell their streaming yeah, service and their network stuff as well. I thought one thing that looked kind of cool and interesting, speaking of their streaming service, was their new Twilight Zone. That I believe great... that's going to be in the streaming service, right? Yeah. CBS yeah, yeah. All Access? It's a streaming uh, thing. Jordan Peele is producing, but also hosting that as well. It was a nice little spot. It was fun. It was cool, and Jordan Peele's just the coolest guy yeah, in the world. He did a great job with the narration, taking over for Rod Serling, sort of introducing us to the Twilight Zone. And I love anthologies as it is. I love a TV show that has a new cast and new story every week. Yeah. So this should be pretty cool. They were uh, pumping that pretty good. Captain Marvel unveiled some new footage from the yes. Marvel folks. Looks pretty I awesome. I watched it a couple times. Did you really? Yeah, I did. Uh, Guillermo del Toro has a new series called Scary Stories. Uh, it takes urban myths and then... Uh, makes little short vignettes out of them. Oh, really? I don't know if you saw the spot, but it was one girl who had a spider bite on her face. It was that, I was thinking of all the people who hated our spider in the ear stories. <laughs> well, this isn't going to help. But uh, she's got a spider bite, and then it grows into like a lump, and then she sees like a spider's leg poking out. Oh, it's like out. spider eggs in her face. Yes. Oh. So uh, that looks uh, stomach-turningly oh. good. There was the new Toy Story 4 promo. I saw that one. With Buzz Lightyear yeah. at the carnival being given away as a prize. It seemed to me like a little bit of a stretch, maybe. This, a little bit. This, the Didn't they one. tell the story at the end of the and third one? And it was one? a pretty good, conclusive yeah. ending at the end of three. This feels like a little bit of a money grab to me. Do a spinoff with the, another character. and a, You can do it in the same world, but I wouldn't. I mean, they told such a great story. I, I just It was 30 seconds. I hate to judge the film I know, from that because they've been so good. But I don't know. The vibe of it was a little yeah. odd to me because it was like... Woody's sitting there with Bo Peep, and I'm like, where's Buzz? Yeah, We're here at the carnival. carnival. It's like, what are you guys doing there by yourselves? <laughs> anyway, that was uh, that was at the end of the game. I wonder how many people missed out on that promo because uh, they didn't sit like, all the way through the game. The and then, of course, the big one was a little footage from Avengers Endgame. Oh, man. It was like a montage, really, of just moments that you can either figure out or can't depending on how deep you go into the uh, some people move on the lore yeah oh, here's man. a little audio from that this is whose voice is it could you tell is I it captain a, america it's captain america that's what i thought too but they had a shot of him not talking while it was yeah. talking and i was <laughs> it's like a voiceover of himself wait a minute is, is it in his head i couldn't quite <laughs> figure that out if you missed the avengers endgame spot it was just 30 seconds here's a little taste some people move on Not us. Not us. Not us. I think somebody else says some people move on, then Chris Evans says not us. But seeing the lineup of the surviving Avengers and Guardians of the Galaxy, we got Rocket. The, the squirrel. Let's meet Rocket Raccoon. Rocket, Rocket Squirrel. Rocket J, Rocky J Squirrel and Bullwinkle. Uh, Rocket Raccoon and Captain America and uh, Ronan. Yeah, uh, War and, Machine. Yeah, War Machine. So it was an interesting uh, yeah. lineup. It's going to be... I can't wait. Yeah, me too. And while we're talking movies, this is not good news. We talked about this Lee Wanell. He was the guy who was uh, closing the deal with Universal to write and direct the new Invisible Man movie we are just talking about. Yeah. Well, there's more news. It's just been announced that he is taking on another studio franchise, Fox's Escape from New York. He is writing a Escape from New York remake. Why? That was my question. Do we need a remake of Escape from New no. York? No. 
it's about as perfect as a movie like yeah. that gets. Why would you remake that? And Kurt Russell's performance as Snake Plissken is fairly iconic. I can't imagine you're going to find a Snake Plissken any more Snake Plissken-y than Kurt Russell That's was. That's like remaking Raiders of the Lost Ark, just remaking it. Like, why? I, I can't You don't need to do that. I tell you, I would rather see a sequel with 68-year-old Kurt Russell or whatever and have him take on another... Remake of Escape from L.A. if you want to remake yeah, remake that one. That one needed a remake. <laughs> that one could Real use bad. some help. But the first one stands alone as kind of a classic. Oh, my God, don't do that. Well, look, nothing is safe anymore. You know that. They're remaking it all. And the, the original movie was made in 1981. It's been a while. But I think those people who love it are going to have a hard time swallowing a remake Let's of that film. Just do something else. This guy's the king of the remake. He's doing Invisible Man. He's doing Escape from New York. Yeah, I can see remaking Invisible Man, but not. There's been a bunch of a bunch Escape of Invisible People movies, but uh, Escape from New York is pretty. It's a classic. It's yeah. an iconic movie. Yeah, that breaks my heart a little bit. All right, let's take a look at today's celebrity birthdays. All these stars born on this day, February fourth. You know how some days we have. Uh, occasional musicians and we play a little bit of their music yes. on their birthdays yes. and then some days we don't have any it's right. just actors and whatnot. today is almost all musicians, all musicians. It's, we're going to sound like the Ralph Report Radio <laughs> which as you know is the greatest hits of today and yesterday that's what we're going to be playing for you today because it is a non-stop barrage of musicians in today's birthdays drummer John Steele of a classic 60's band called The Animals Fronted by Eric Burden, really a great, great band. He is 78 years old today. Here's one of their hits. We gotta get out of this place. If it's the last thing we ever do, we gotta get out of this place. Girl, there's a better life for me and you. Ah, it's a good tune. Singer Alice Cooper is 71 years old today. I always thought Alice Cooper did himself a disservice with all the theatrics, you know, with the boa constrictors and the guillotines on stage. that's how people knew him, though. I know he stood out because of that, but a lot of his music is just awesome rock music. Yes. And I don't think he was quite taken seriously as a rock star because he was known as a performance artist, basically. But if you listen to his music without all the trappings without the character of Alice, yeah. and just listen to it. It's really great it's classic good mu- It's great rock. music. It's just, I don't know. I, I think he's just in that era where he just got caught up with the Ozzy Osbournes and everything else. Anyway, I'm a big fan. Here's one of my favorites. No more, Mr. Nice Guy. No more, Mr. Clean. No more, Mr. Nice Guy. They say he's sick. He's a sick. Alice is 71 today. WrestleMania 3, he came out with Jake the Snake Roberts. And Jake Snake always brought a big python to the right, ring. And right. uh, Alice Cooper went to go pick it up at the end of the match and try to like scare the wrestler with it. He could barely he lift the lift thing it up. with his little tiny arms. Like, it, was, it weighed more than he did. <laughs> it was hilarious. Actor Michael Beck is 70 years old today. Michael Beck, probably best known for starring in The Warriors, if you remember yes. that movie. He's also the star of one of my picks for one of my Guilty Pleasure movies we'll talk about a little bit later. He is 70 years old today. Guitarist Noodles of The Offspring. He is 56 years old today.
great band, The Offspring. Yeah. Uh, Noodles is a friend. I got to get him on the show and talk. I think oh, that'd, be I, that'd be an interesting story for him and that band, I think. And they've stayed around so long. And they felt like when they first came out, it was like, oh, this is going to be like one of those bands that just goes away. But they stayed. Incredibly long-lasting career. 56 years old today. Singer Florence LaRue of the vocal group The Fifth Dimension is 77 years old today. The Fifth Dimension was an odd uh, quintet of singers. They were African-American, had two female singers, Florence and then a woman named Marilyn McCoo, who was married to a guy named Billy Davis Jr., who was one of the fellows in the band, and they had two others. And when a lot of white guys in the 60s were trying to sound black, the fifth dimension, for some reason, sounded very white. And they crossed over to like the easy listening spectrum of really? music and had a huge career in the late 60s and early 70s. Here is one of their biggest hits. Up, up and away. sound like those up with people bands really or something does. you know they sound very white <laughs> bassist rick birch of jimmy eat world is 44 years old today it just takes some time And Daily Show correspondent, actor, and comedian Rob Corddry is 48 years old today. I love Corddry. He's so funny. Such a funny guy. Singer Gavin DeGraw turns 42 today. I don't want to be anything other than what I've been trying to be lately. All I can do is sing with me and I'll be so mine. I'm tired of looking around the world wondering what I got to do. Oh, I'm supposed to be. I, for the longest time, thought that was the Black Crow singing that I song. I could see that. Yeah. I could see that. It's Gavin DeGraw. He's 42. Singer Natalie Imbruglia. Jeez. She is 44 years old The today. licensing fee for this birthday segment is going to be through the roof. I just play snippets. It's all news and it's all fair usage, so shut your mouth, Betty Pence. That's what's going on. Nothing's fine, I'm torn. I'm all out of faith. This is how I feel. Steve Ashton almost had sex with Natalie Imbruglia. He did not. I don't know if we told that story on the air or not. Really? Yeah. Maybe that was a drunken conversation we had off air. How that did he Steve fuck and that I. up? If he, the way he tells it, he's very proud of the fact that he didn't, which I just what? think, that's what I said. What? I said, you're an idiot, sir. We'll have to get Steve on to, to tell that story oh, we if we haven't talked story. about it on the, on the show. Who's proud they wouldn't seal the deal? That's what I'm saying. With maybe, her. All right. Maybe we'll have... Uh, <laughs> Maybe we'll Skype in with Ashton and have him talk about sometime this week. And lastly, singer Zoe Manville. I think it's Zoe or it's Zoe Manville of Portugal. The man, 35 years old today. I 
I think there are a couple uh, future one-hit wonder artists in that birthday <laughs> list. <laughs> might be a few. <laughs> there might be a few. That's all the celebrity birthdays for today. I'm Ralph Garman. I walk the showbiz beat. And now it's time for Eddie Pence and I to reveal our guilty pleasure films. This came at the request of a member of the Garmy because we talked about our three favorite films last week. And he yes. said, yeah, that's all well and good. Everybody loves those movies because they're classics. But what are the shitty movies <laughs> that you like that you're almost ashamed to reveal you secretly get a kick out of watching these movies yeah. when nobody else is watching? We call them the guilty pleasure films. And I thought it'd be interesting for each of us to pick three and then to talk about them. So Eddie gave me his list. I've got my list. We're going to start off with his. I can only imagine this is because it has some boyhood <laughs> sentimental reason why he would like this. And I'm going from least shitty to most shitty on both of <laughs> our lists. How did you differentiate? <laughs> well, because this, I'm again, I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt that I assume you love this film still to this day because it meant something to you when you were a youngin. Yeah, I tend to do that. It is called Cloak and Dagger. <laughs> if you've ever seen this piece of shit. With Dabney Coleman. Dabney Coleman <laughs> as a really cool secret agent, which is not believable at all in this film. He, does, he plays two roles. He plays the dad right. and the secret agent. Yes, but he's, a, but he's also a, like a make-believe, yeah, he's the like imaginary secret, yeah. friend to Henry Thomas, yeah. the kid from E.T., this was his next sort of big starring role. And the premise is so goddamn 80s. It's bad. It's, there's a secret clue caught in a video game, stuck in a video game. This kid finds an Atari cartridge for a game called Cloak and Dagger. And inside of it, some spies have encoded some secret information in there. And everyone's trying to get it. And so this eight-year-old kid has to fight off spies. It's just shit-tastic, this movie. <laughs> it's perfect 80s crappy movie. And even in the film itself, it always bugged me. They kept referring to the game as a tape. Yeah. Like, what is this game tape we have of Cloak and Dagger? It was like written by someone who had never played a video game in their life. You're screaming, it's a cartridge. Everyone calls that a cartridge. Where's that game tape that everyone's oh, trying to God. get? Anyway, here's a little clip from the movie. This is where uh, Henry Thomas uh, goes to see a, a, an interestingly disguised William Forsyth, who is a great character actor, but he plays sort of the, the, the guy who runs the video game store, who's also a genius. So Henry Thomas brings him this game tape to see if he can figure out what the secret code is on the inside. What's this? You told me. It's like a cloak and dagger tape. Dagger tape. It's not. Take a look at it. I mean, it's not. Who gave it to you? This guy. I can't tell you any more than that. Hmm. Top secret, huh? What do you want me to do? I don't know, Morris. You're the genius around here. All right. Let's have a look. This microchip doesn't belong here. Oh, wait a minute. Huh? Take a look. Whoever put this in really knew what he was doing. Look at yeah, those connections. Look at the connections. Could be used to store information. Input, output. Input, what kind output. of information? Government plans, maybe? Government Could plans, anything, maybe? Really. Big neon sign. <laughs> Government plans, maybe? Launch codes. Top secret? Wow, he really knew what he was doing. He gets taken out in that movie, He's too. Connected. Yeah, Morris bites it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Morris gets a bullet. He gets the gets bullet, the bullet the sandwich. The, the back of the head tape. Um, yeah, it's awful. <laughs> it's a terrible movie. So tell us why that's your guilty pleasure. Why do you love that? Because it was we had first when we first got a VCR when I was a kid. That was yeah. one of the first tapes we had gotten. Sure, it wasn't know, a cartridge. It was a cartridge. It was a tape? First cartridge tape. 
And I just watched it a ton just because it's one of the first movies we had on a VHS tape. Gotcha. I just watched it over and over. So anytime I ever see it on cable, which is very rare, yeah. I'll watch the whole thing. Wow. I have no idea why. You can't I, move on, huh? No, I can't move And then the little... And he makes... He has that little cloak and dagger board game in the movie. Right. And that inspired me as a little kid to try to make my own board game. So I spent like two years of my life trying to invent a board game just solely because I saw that movie. Wow. It never happened, but... That's adorable. Yeah. But you've grown up. No, would be really. my response to that. <laughs> Maybe we can but move on. But if it's on, on I'll watch it because it, it's nostalgia. All right. My first one. Again, this goes from least shitty to most shitty. <laughs> this I am not alone in this. This is the guilty pleasure for a lot of people. Uh, so I felt a little bad putting it on my list, but it absolutely is right up there for me as one of my favorites. It maybe is the best B slash C movie ever. It stars the late, great Patrick Swayze as the cooler for a bar mm. called The Double Deuce. It is Roadhouse. Roadhouse. My God. It's spectacular. Oh. Not only does it have the great quote, pain don't hurt, which is one of my favorite things I've ever heard in a movie. He's getting stitched up by a smoking hot doctor played by Kelly Lynch, and he refuses the Novocaine on his knife wound and just tells her to staple him up raw because pain don't hurt. Which is just stupid. By definition, pain hurts. That doesn't make any sense. Sam Elliott's got a great line in that movie, too. All the lines in this are great. Uh, My favorite moment may be where the cooler is telling the bouncers, don't get them confused, how to handle problems and uh, what to do about it. I want you to remember that it's a job. It's nothing personal. Uh Uh-huh. Being called a cocksucker isn't personal? No. It's two nouns combined to elicit a prescribed response. I wonder if somebody calls my mama a whore. (laughs) Is she? (laughs) I want you to be nice until it's time to not be nice. Well, uh, how are we supposed to know when that is? You won't. I'll let you know. You are the bouncers, I am the cooler. Yeah. All you have to do is watch my back and each other's. And? Take out the trash. Oh, oh. take out the trash. I could sleep when I'm dead. Oh, man. <laughs> God damn it, I love that movie so much. Throat rips, everything. It's got everything in it. Uh, next up. <sighs> oh, this is my movie? Yeah. <laughs> oh. Which one? Superman 3. <laughs> Superman 3, which managed not only to embarrass Christopher Reeve, perhaps the greatest (laughs) Superman ever, embarrassed his performance as one of our most beloved comic book superheroes, but absolutely embarrassed the great Richard Pryor, one of our great comic talents, reduced him to a buffoon in this film. He plays Gus, a computer genius, somehow, (laughs) who builds for Robert Vaughn, standing in as a low-rent Lex Luthor (laughs) wannabe, Builds a machine that can take on Superman. It is god-awful. Oh, it's beautiful. And I feel so bad for for Christopher Reeve, because at the end of the film, he has to talk about how he conquered the uh, supercomputer, and it's just an embarrassing conversation for everyone. As he's flying Richard Pryor, who is acting terrified because he's flying in the air with Superman, it's just sadness all around for these actors. How you doing there, Gus? Please don't talk to me. I'm having enough trouble just hanging on. Okay, we'll go slow. Uh, You're perfectly safe. I'm not going to argue with you. I mean, any man who can trick my machine can do anything. How did you beat 
my defenses. Well, those defenses are pretty good as long as the machine doesn't know it's in trouble. This time it didn't see the danger. I just went in there with a plain old can of acid. The machine didn't know that when that stuff gets hot enough, it'll leap through anything. Uh, watch the trees. I guess it died of acid indigestion. Uh, hmm. uh, my sweet lord. Christopher Reeve must have cried in his trailer after he had to say that line. Oh, someone got paid to write that. Oh, I just took in a plain old can of acid. You know, one of the ones you got laying you around. Know, just acid just cans. One of the, give me a can of acid and a toothbrush and some beef jerky. You know, you pick it up at the 7-Eleven. I guess it died of acid indigestion. Oh, my God. And then, I would have said Superman dropped me right now. I just I want to die after hearing that. The battle between good Superman and bad Superman in the junkyard? I, I still, to this day, don't understand how that happens. How does he get either. split into either. two different it people? And he, is it symbolic? Is it in his mind? It doesn't have to make sense. And then he, he straightens the Leaning Tower of Pisa. Yeah. And then the guy makes straight-up Pisa statues, and he comes back and retilts it. <laughs> oh, you Superman, you ruined my souvenir stand. He starts destroying It's... The most oh, god-awful, sticky... Oh, it's awful, but... Schlocky, slapstick comedy oh. ever. How can that be a guilty but pleasure that you enjoy? I, I can't help. Every time I see it, I have to watch it. I and don't Robert Vaughn is a hammy cheese fest oh, as the bad. villain, and he's got that big boobed female sidekick, because every Superman villain has, has to have a blonde boobed. with big tits. When the other one turned into a robot, though, that freaked me out. God. And then Superman sitting at the bar flicking peanuts into the mirror. Oh, that's my, my one. That's, a, that's my one moment I enjoy in that film. That's a great, drunk, grumpy Superman oh. breaking bottles by flicking peanuts oh, off the that's bar. That's great. That's great. I have to watch it every time I see it. Of all the Superman, well, look, it's not my at, favorite. At least you didn't pick uh, four. The Quest for Peace. The Quest for Peace. With, some good moments with, in that with Nuclear one Man. <laughs> It could have been worse, I suppose. Oh, but Gene Hackman was in that one. Yeah, true. At least we got Lex Luthor back. Oh, man. Superman 3. That that hurts. <laughs> uh, mine, my next one's no better, quite frankly. It is one of my favorite buddy cop movies, and yet is one of the worst buddy cop movies ever made. Talk about a waste of talent. Kurt Russell and Sylvester Stallone team oh. up as Tango and Cash in this film. Yeah. It is pretty much everything wrong with 80s movie making rolled up into one, and yet I find it endlessly watchable, and I always fall prey to its charms when it's on cable. Uh, they play a mismatched team of cops. Not what you think, though. They play against types. Sylvester Stallone is a very natty dresser and very smart yeah. and erudite and wears glasses. Russell. And yeah. Kurt Russell is the sloppy sort of... Uh, they pulled a Belushi Aykroyd in Neighbors. They exactly. switched up the types right. and it worked just as well. <laughs> uh, Terry Hatcher is uh, Stallone's sister, mm. who, of course, has a romantic interest in Kurt Russell. And they have to save her from the evil drug cartel. I mean, it's every cheesy cop movie ever made in the 80s, but it's so spectacularly bad. Oh, yeah. Fubar is a running joke in it. Fucked up beyond all recognition. (laughs) There's a wonderful moment where this character actor, Brian, oh, I wish I could remember his name. He's been in a ton of movies playing the bad guy. He's doing an awful British accent in this film. He's supposed to be from England. And they're trying to get information out of him. And they threaten him by duct taping a hand grenade into his mouth yeah. and Stallone pretends like he's going to pull it and Kurt Russell says I can't help you he's, he's gone over the edge he's too crazy now <laughs> until eventually he uh, volunteers the information in this moment Beret! 
Perret! The Gigi wants Perret! He's Perret! Who the hell is Perret? The bloke with me in prison. He's the governor. Yeah, where's he now? Where's the governor? The desert, right? Go after you. Think he's telling the truth? I don't know. But it's not raining, and he's standing in a puddle. Mm, disgusting. You know, Potato Head, you just fell for the oldest routine in the book. Bad cop? Worst cop. Let's <laughs> go. <laughs> Did you sleep with my sister? Oh, I don't believe you. <laughs> Did you bump uglies with my sister? Bump ugly. Did you? I was so drunk, I honestly, I don't remember, okay? Come on, worst cop or late. Oh, wow, the dialogue in that thing is painful. Governor. Where is the governor? <laughs> it's awful. <laughs> it's freaking awful. I was bummed in Guardians of Galaxy 2, they didn't have a scene together. Yeah, Because they were both in that movie, like, how'd you not get Tango and Cash in one scene? How'd you not reunite? I am so twisted. I would love to see a Tango and Cash sequel. I'd love to see them teamed up again. I don't know why, because it was awful, but I still want to see it. Come on, Netflix, make it happen. Uh, Not as awful as Eddie's number one, though, I got to say. It's it's not even, like, bad good, I think. I think it's just bad, bad. It's bad, but I love it. It is called The Legend of the Lone Ranger, and don't get it confused with the Army Hammer Johnny Depp recent Lone Ranger film. This piece of garbage was made in 1981, and it had everything going against it. At the time, Clayton Moore, the guy who played Lone Ranger on television, was banned from making personal appearances in his mask and outfit because they were trying to get everyone's attention onto this new Lone Ranger that they were going to put out there. And it was going to be a smash hit they planned. And they cast this model named Clinton Spillsbury. I'll still remember that name because it sounds so much like the cookie dough. Clinton Spillsbury. And he was such a bad actor. It's a tall drink of water. <laughs> they had to go back and have another actor dub in all of his oh, dialogue in it's post-production. so bad. And that makes it look like some sort of Italian film that, a spaghetti Western. that they dubbed into it's English because it never quite fits the, his mouth, the words that are coming out of it. It's a Chef Boyardee Western. <laughs> and it's got one of the worst talking to a grave moments I've ever seen in a Western, oh, and there's a lot of those moments. That's the part that gets me, man. This is where he's telling his brother, who's also a ranger, who was shot in the same... Um, in the valley. Uh, yeah. Uh, what do you, Ambush. Yeah. Uh, they thought they killed him at, with the rest of the Rangers, but he survived. Tonto and Tonto saved. nursed him back yeah. to health. And so he is going to let them believe that he's dead. He's going to now fight crime as the Lone Ranger. And before he turns around with his mask on, oh. he talks to his dead brother in the grave. And it's shit-tastic. <laughs> Here it is. I swear to you, Dan, no matter how long it takes, no matter where they are, I will find them. <laughs> But Cavendish and men like him owe you, they will pay in full. Okay. There will be justice in the West. All right. <laughs> to this, my brother, I pledge my life. He stands up and turns around. And the music kicks in. There he is. Do it. With his mask, his white hat. Oh, I love it. I love it. He hops on his... His white steed. Oh, I got goosebumps. I literally rides off into the great plains of yesteryear. I oh. silver. I silver. Oh. That gave me goosebumps. To you, I do swear, I do say that the West will have justice, and I say to you, on my dying, shut the fuck up. Oh, it's awful, dude. When that movie came out. That was back when you could sit in a movie theater, and if you just stayed there long enough, the movie would start again. Like, yeah, you and they would let leave. you sit They'd through multiple sit uh, viewings. And yeah. my grandfather took me to it when it came out, because I was a huge Lone Ranger fan, even before that movie came out. And we went, and I must have saw it three times that day. 
my poor granddad sat through all three showings. Wow. I think he slept through two of them, but it's, he sat there with me through three of those in a row. It is so cheesy. The one, uh, the one shining moment is Christopher Lloyd plays Butch Cavett. Yes. And he's pretty entertaining. <laughs> he's good. He realizes he's in an awful film, so he chews up the scenery pretty good. Uh, but the rest of it's hard to get I had a, I had a Lone Ranger birthday party because of that movie. Wow. <laughs> All right. I love that movie. All right, Kimosabi. <laughs> And mine, I don't know why I'm picking on Eddie's, because mine may be the worst of the whole batch. And I have, I really have no excuse. I'm not quite sure why I'm drawn to this, except when I first saw it, I had a mad, deep crush on its star, uh, Olivia Newton-John. She stars along with Michael Beck. I was talking about him in the birthdays today. It's a movie called Xanadu, where she plays one of the muses, one of the ancient Greek muses, and he is an artist, and she helps him find the courage to open his own roller disco, which, as you know, <laughs> takes a lot of guts. And along with the help of old musical star Gene Kelly, they are able to open Xanadu, the world's greatest roller <laughs> discotheque. And this is a movie that came up pretty much after disco had already died. And roller skating was still, I guess, a thing, but it didn't quite make any sense. And his real job is painting giant versions of album covers to hang on music store walls. I mean, nothing in this movie makes any sense. But the music from Olivia Newton-John and more importantly ELO is still endlessly listenable today. And maybe that's why I still love it. It's, I don't know, I don't know. I can't explain it. It's awful. It's truly awful. And yet, I can't help but watch it. Here's the uh, the quintessential moment in Xanadu where they finally open the doors to the great roller discotheque and Olivia sings the theme song. Discotheque is filled with like guys in zoot suits, and then there's like some mimes on the other side, and they they've got poppers and lockers doing like shabadoo, and all these guys doing. It's like, like the multiverse con- converged. It makes no sense. And then the other muses show up, and they start dancing with the roller skaters. It is just a shitstorm of horrible cinema. And at the very end of her song. Uh, Minu Jack gets beamed back up to Mount Olympus. It's just, oh, oh man, it's the, the it is the definition of a guilty pleasure. <laughs> Those are our worst favorite oh, movies oh. of all time. And that's it for today's show. I need to go off and watch Santa do again, so I got to go. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us. Come on back tomorrow. We have another jam-packed show for your entertainment. Come on back because I love you and I mean it. Bye.